Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. Hello everybody, this is the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. Again, I am Forrest. So, it's fun- I had a beeping sound like in the middle. It's like that was a bad take. Try again. Hello, I am Forrest. Welcome to the Pancake King Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. And uh, with me is uh, my wife, KG. Hello. And um, so I've been talking recently about movies. Uh, did ha- do an episode where I kind of talked about like my uh, my passion for you know kind of the art of filmmaking. And just and the kinds of talked a little bit about the kinds of movies that uh, had an impact on me growing up. Um, what certain movies have done for me, including just picking cherry picking one scene out of uh, the Matrix Four, which in it, the whole film wasn't a perfect film, but it did have one really good scene. Um, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to delve a little bit into some of the things that um, uh, that you've kind of gotten from movies. But I also thought it'd be fun to share the fact that technically movies was like one of the biggest things that like brought you and I together because yep. Because we started a tradition, and I'm glad I abandoned my youth group, <laughs> like, shortly before this <laughs> happened so that um, it led to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I would, like, every Tuesday night, you, uh, I would come over, come over to your house, and you and I would, like, take turns showing each other a movie that uh, we really liked. There'd be, yeah. a, there'd be a, you know, somewhat of an exception, not often, but an exception where we would share shows, but... For the most part, it was movies. Yeah, you know, and, it, I, and I and I like tested you right off the bat by showing you The Crow. Yes, as the, the first very movie. <laughs> first movie we ever watched together was The Crow, and it was the best decision ever because I realized that you were weird too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Let Let's think of some other movies that. Um, proved that you were weird. Let's see. Oh yes, there was uh, the Phantom of the Opera. That is a good movie. I didn't say it was. It wasn't. I thought it was good. It's my favorite romance. Yes. Um, uh, and I don't like romance. And then uh, Labyrinth with David Bowie. That is also a really good It's a weird movie. It's a I good remember it being film. a really weird movie. It, it was, was so weird. But it has David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, we showed each other. The, the sad part about it, though, is that we showed each other so many movies that I don't even remember all the movies that we showed each other. But those three, mm-hmm. for some reason, those three st- stuck out the most. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they gave me weird dreams the following night. Good. I don't know, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> you um, just had dreams of David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. In tight, in those tight, tight pants. <sighs> yeah, I know. I showed you a couple movies like Live Die Repeat. Yep. With um Tom Cruise. You showed me a Chronicle. I really liked that. One. Oh yeah, Chronicle. That was a weird movie with the kids that got the superpowers. It was and... basically a live action version of Acuda that we yeah. before we get the live action version of Acuda. Essentially, it was pretty much kid gets superpowers, but he has a really crappy personal life. Lots mm-hmm. of bullies and yeah. actually, the more I think about Chronicle, the more I, the more similar I realize it is to Acuda, where he's like he's a kid. Um, kind of lonely, has a few friends, but overall feels uh, kind of lonely, has a very crappy life, um, deals with bullies all the time, is beaten, you know, gets beaten up, 
Um, and then finally, his mind just snaps, and he starts like well, he also gets destroying the powers. city. Yeah, he gets psychic powers, and his mind snaps, and he starts using those powers to destroy the city. They even has a thing in the in, in Chronicle where they did the thing from Akuna where they where the two main characters yell each other's names. Yes, that's that's true, and also. Um, no matter what his friends tried to do to stop him, nothing could yeah. stop him, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Like, he was just gone. Yeah. You know, much like... Again. The main live, character from Akira. The la- live-action version of Akira we got before Taika Waititi makes a live-action version of Akira. Yeah, eventually, someday, maybe. The good news is he wait. he did... He signed on to do a Star Wars film, I guess, but then he just recently came out and said I, he's not doing it anymore. Probably so, so he can focus on the live-action Akita film. Well, we'll see. <laughs> he He's coming out with a new film, that soccer film or whatever. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's Michael Fassbender, and oh, okay. um, yeah, it's some, like, oh, yeah, I, 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 quirky I, soccer movie. I think I remember what yeah. you're talking about. We saw a trailer for that. Yep. So, uh, one of the movies, I listed um, 13 movies that um, you could watch to get to know me. And uh, one of the movies I listed was Captain America the Winter Soldier. That is a great movie. Which, yes, it's a fantastic movie. One of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe films ever made. Yep. But um, uh, my first question would be, what's so special about Sebastian Stan, this beautiful man? You just said it. Okay, yeah. He's a he's a beautiful <laughs> man. <laughs> he's a beautiful man with beautiful blue eyes. Yes. Probably the one man that you crush on. The cele- everybody has a celebrity crush, it's okay. Right. As right. long as it's a, as long as it's, it's only a celebrity crush. Uh-huh. Right. Even you have a celebrity crush. Lee Pace. Yes. Oh, I just came out with it. <laughs> I mean, male celebrity crush. That's my yeah. male celebrity crush, Lee Pace. Who's your female celebrity crush? Elizabeth Olsen. Got it. People were listening to this episode going, I got on here to listen to someone talk about autism. Not, I have a crush on an actress that looks like my wife's mom. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? A very Freudian one, because you always bring up the Freudian stuff. <laughs> what kind of a joke of a podcast is Unsubscribe. Dislike. Anyway, yeah, dislike. <laughs> So anyway, um, about your mom. No, <laughs> um, so um, you need to you need to put that in your comedy special. One of, yes, comedy material. Well, yeah, one of the <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned to me, I remember, is you said that Sebastian Stan's nonverbal acting mm-hmm. in Captain America: The Winter Soldier is one of the only uh, instances. I guess not even in film specifically, but also outside of it, where you look at uh, the character's facial expressions and you look at his nonverbal acting, and despite the fact that, you know, we autistic people have a weakness when it comes to recognizing nonverbal expressions and cues, that's one that you, for some reason, just get right away. Yep. Like, you understand it. I knew exactly what the character was thinking the entire time. Can you give me a specific example? No. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I should have known from the last episode we did together that that's impossible. Um, I mean, obviously in this film, okay, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen this movie or yet, but to be honest. Who, are, who has never read the, the, what, comic the, books. the 70 years worth of Captain America comic books. Right, so spoiler coming up, three, two, one. 
Bucky, the character that Sebastian Stan plays, is the Winter Soldier. Yes. Presumed dead after the events of the first Captain America film because he fell... Off a train. It fell off a train. um, uh, Like, at a, like... Like a... Massive height. Yeah, massive height. So, we kind of, like... Everyone just assumes he's dead after that, but no. The uh, well, I mean, anybody who's never read the comics would. Right. The evil, uh, the evil fascist organization called Hydra um, was able to recover his body and basically brainwash him into being their like ultimate special assassin. And he got right? a metal arm out of it. And he got a metal arm out of it. But what's interesting is that for um, even a huge portion of this movie. Uh, he actually even wears a mask. Yeah. And you still get it. Like, yeah. you still somehow get it. It's just from even his eyes. from his eyes. Right. Well, what makes you think, um, what makes you think you're able to recognize his acting here versus being able to understand everyone's nonverbal cues I and expressions elsewhere? I guess he's just elsewhere? a really good actor who's just able to put all of his emotions on his sleeve when acting. Sure. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's not just... You know, delivering the line and take, deliver line and take, you know, that sort of thing. Or just like being completely stoic. Yeah. Like like Uh, a character would, like that would be in in most fiction. Like you have a brainwashed, brainwashed perfect perfect assassin, they're always going to be stoic, no mm -hmm. emotion. It makes perfect sense that for you, stoicism is one of the most recognizable facial expressions. Yeah. Does it, do you think... Do you think if a character's face is stoic, it's easier for you to, like, spot, uh, spot the things on the character's face that is showing some kind of emotion? Is it kind of, like, almost like clearing the boards so that it's easier to pinpoint certain things? Or I never really thought deep about it. I just thought, hey, I know what he's thinking. That's cool. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> he speaks Romanian at one point in this movie, too. Because like... he is the actor. Right, right. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So dramatic the way he delivers it. Um, so, like, what are some other films for you growing up? Like, what, are, what were some films that, like, really connected with you? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But we really need to bring up the fact that your, um, your I think your grandparents uh, showed you the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs to try yes. and, like... Yes. Trying to help you. I've been trying to repress that. Thank you. <laughs> trying no to. No offense, Grandma, if you're listening. I know you meant well. <laughs> trying to help you discern facial expressions. Yeah. I have a question, and it's all in all in due respect. Why would you use a movie with animated faces? Because they're more exaggerated. Okay. Oh sure. Yeah. And why that one? Because they had it on DVR back when DVR was a thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, good lord, uh, you know, I think Toy Story would be pretty effective because the characters uh, in Toy Story, they're limited in the way, they're limited in the expressions they can show because they're freaking toys to begin with. Right. That would have actually been pretty effective. Yeah. Imagine actually, in the first Toy Story film, Buzz literally goes through an identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a perfect uh, film there because he kind of like, in the first half of the film, he thinks he's one thing, and then uh, halfway through, he realizes he's something else. That's a huge, just his whole world just like falling apart around him. Well, actually, I was years gonna... of academy training wasted. Well, actually, I was just going to mention that there is a show that is known to be very effective with children of aut- on the autism spectrum when it comes to identifying facial expressions. Okay, Thomas. The train? Thomas the Thomas Tank the train. Thomas the Tank Engine. He has, like, three expressions. The point is, is that the narrator helps. 
Mm. Like, Thomas was cross, and then they show a mad face, and children are like, ah, I love those. I love those cross Thomas memes, you know, that (laughs) we have today because of that. And it's true, like, he looks mad. (laughs) Well, like, even the humans have less expressions. They're just standing there stiff. They're like statues. They are just toys, I mean, they're, they're animated now. But back they, then they were well, okay. But the point well, was, I haven't been humans, watching. I haven't the trains. I haven't been watching Thomas the Train Engine. Tank you know, engine. the Thomas the Tank Engine at twenty eight. <laughs> I haven't been keeping up with that show. I only know it because we have some of the animated stuff at the library. Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, that's one. How do you know that's helped uh, children with autism? Did you see that somewhere? Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. I mean, anything that really helps. Do you know how my brother Cole learned how to read? No. Just by watching Between the Lions. That was a good show. It was a good show. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the I only... Learned... That, that's all he needed. I learned to read by just memorizing the words. <laughs> just in general? Like, words in general? Yeah, because mm-hmm. mom would try to teach me phonics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I'd be like, what's that word? And she'd be like, okay, let's sound it out. And I'm like, no, just tell me the word. <laughs> I refused to learn phonics. And so, oh, really? And that bit me in the butt when I went to school and had to learn phonics. So it sounds to me like that's your fault. It was my fault. And you should have just let your mom sound things out for you. No, I wanted to know the word. Admit that, admit <laughs> that uh, you're, you should have let your mom, you know, sound out the word so that she can hear it on this podcast and she can get your apology. I learned phonics eventually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, no, no success is going to be, you know, gathered there. Um, but hey, I was able to read much fast. Much. I was able to read much more advanced than most other kids. Sure. I have a question. Since we're just on the topic of kids shows now, apparently, what exactly is it that Teletubbies taught us? Everything. No, no, it didn't. It didn't teach sure, us everything. I'm pretty sure it taught colors at one point and letters. At one point? At one, I, I haven't seen All I remember place. is a bunch of people who we know have no idea where they are now today <laughs> who dressed up in these weird costumes that looked like they probably sweated their butts off on the inside and, um, and uh, were singing about Tubby Toast. <laughs> I, I'm it, the funny thing is when I look back on it now, I don't remember any educational value I got from that I stuff. Think it was you just think for back, toddlers. Yeah, you think back. Oh well, if it was just for toddlers, and I was still watching it at eight, <laughs> guilty as charged, and I should have grown up faster. Um, yeah, because like you look back on stuff like um, on Sesame Street and Between the Lions, and um, yes, yes, <laughs> um, that stuff taught you stuff. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Arthur, yeah, kind of. They taught you moral values. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't remember any moral values I learned from that show. But to be fair, I didn't um, watch Arthur as often as other people. Right. It was like anyway. that Franklin the Turtle thing. I remember Franklin. Yeah. Uh, anyway, movies, right. Yes. Like, growing up, like, what were some movies that, like, really connected with you? Maybe helped, like, connect with your inner autistic spirit? Um, The Little Mermaid, because my mom didn't let me watch it for years because she thought the ending was too scary. Okay. So that did, like, kind of, you, you did really like that one? Yeah, only because of, only because of the fact that I, when I was able to watch, I felt victorious. 
felt victorious yeah there was no other movie like uh, when you were a kid that made you feel that way no because my mom wouldn't let me watch it oh so you felt victorious <laughs> over being able to watch it okay yes. i was able to watch it for a couple of times and then mom saw the ending thought it was too scary and banned it from the house uh, but you already watched it a couple of times yes like, okay when i was a kid yeah the 1966 batman movie the 1966 Batman movie. Yes, it was okay. a movie related to the show. Yeah, I know what it is. I'm aware of it. That's where the shark repellent stuff comes from. I but had it on VHS tape. Got it. Did your grandma give that one to you? I don't remember where we got it from. I think my mom just had it. Pretty positive the 1960s Batman is as, is as far uh, as your grandma has gotten in Batman. <laughs> Perhaps, but again, I don't know where we got it from. I think mom just had it. Okay. Um, as a kid, as a kid. We'll get older. 101 Dalmatians. I'm just The cartoon or the live action? Live action. Okay. That was one. I've never seen the cartoon. That was one for me. Yeah. That was one for me. I can't, I guess I should mention this because if we're, if we're wading into like parental territory, Uh one of my problems as a kid that, that my parents recognized was that I always loved the villains. And I still do. <laughs> I always, like I, I loved the villains as a kid. Now as an adult, I um I love the villains, and I and I really really like the uh, the morally gray characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the antiheroes, if yeah. you will. You know, like I'm always I'm always really fascinated with those. When I was a kid, I understood that the tiger in Jungle Book was uh was a villain. As an adult, I look at I look back at it now and go. You know, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. I kind of understand exactly why he's doing what he's doing. Um, um, another one. So, like, yeah. So, like, 101 Dalmatians. For some weird reason, I really loved Corella to the point well, where to I would... be fair, she had a really good actress. Yeah, I would walk around, like, acting like her. <laughs> which is weird, considering the fact that I'm a guy just deciding, oh, Corella's so cool, I want to act like her. Hey. Or I want to be like her. Hey, it's okay. It's 2023. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Aladdin, Jafar. Like, I Jafar like really stood out to me. Um, um, well, of course, there was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, Return of the Jedi. There was the time when I uh, fell in love with the Home Alone movies and set up these really bad traps in the basement that someone was st- still managed to run right into. <laughs> Did it hurt them? Yes. Am I sorry? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that was, was it yeah. someone you're related to? No, actually, no. It was a babysitter. Oh. <laughs> and this was one of the reasons uh, I feel that uh, my parents decided to kind of like be a lot more, a lot stricter about <laughs> what I was allowed to watch because I was clearly influenced by it. That's and if normal. I if I came to like it that much, you know, I would do stuff outside of it. I would mm. either act like certain if characters, you saw say Superman, certain things. You would try to, you would try to f- jump off the roof to fly. Well, maybe it's a good thing I never saw Superman when yeah, I was I'm a just, kid. Then I'm just saying that's exact. Going off what you're ta- talking about, it sounds exactly like something you would do if you saw Superman. Everyone, my first real Superman movie was Man of Steel. I'm still sorry. Um, another one was uh the first Sam Raimi Spider Man. 
Yeah, that's a great one. Yes. Yeah, that's absolute. And for me, the original, like, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, that was really my introduction to superheroes. Yep. The idea that people can have superpowers. And, and the fact that it was Spider-Man, and so therefore, like, he's supposed to be one of the most relatable characters to young people. Uh-huh. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking... I remember thinking, well, the X-Men was pretty cool, but, like, Spider-Man was where it was at for me. Yeah. Um, other movies. Just all the really classic Disney films, because we had practically all of them on VHS tape back in the day. Right. So, like, Fox and the Hound, Robin Hood, those, mm-hmm. mo- those types of movies. I loved Robin Hood when I was a kid. Me too. But, yeah, those type, oh, Rescuers and Rescuers Down Under. I liked those too. Yeah. Yeah, those were big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, films, when I, when I was a kid, films shaped the, um, the basic storytelling structure for me, like learning, okay, there's good guys and then there's bad guys. Good Mm -hmm. guys are supposed to defeat the bad guys. The good guys, um, have a goal. They need to reach said goal and the villain is typically, um, in the way of achieving it. Oh yeah. Here's another one. This is a lesser known one, but let me see if you know this one. George in the jungle. Yeah, I know that one. I I watched it. Yeah. I don't remember much of it, but I watched it. It was fun. Did I... it inspire you to like uh, swing through the jungle like half naked and uh No. But again, most of these films I'm listening was back when we had them on VHS. I don't mm-hmm. know where they are now. I think we got rid of them all. Well, even if you were able to find them, we don't have a VHS around here to watch them. That's uh I know. that's how far away we are from that. I know, but remember when you remember having to rewind the entire thing and waiting like 5 minutes for it to rewind? Yeah, I don't miss that. I don't miss that. Uh, one movie that I also really, really loved was um, The Emperor's New Groove, which yes. is kind of funny because when I look back on that movie now, I appreciate it even more because um, the the whole, like, almost the entire lead cast were all, like, comedians uh, from Saturday Night Live. Oh, cool. Like, um, they were all, like, comedians that did Saturday Night Live and sketch comedy. So, like, David Spade, you know, mm-hmm. who plays Cusco, he, like, he was huge. He was a huge SNL guy and mm-hmm. uh, SNL writer and did a whole bunch of sketch comedy. John Goodman, Patrick Warburton, you know, like, the um, these people were, huge, like, really big in the comedy sphere at the time. You know who played so. No. Eartha Kitt. Okay, I remember the name. I just don't remember what, what else she did. She was Catwoman in, in the... 1960s Batman, the first black woman oh, to play, the first black woman to ever play her. Oh wow! She's why a lot of Catwomen nowadays are you know not white or dark or darker colored. Oh wow! Yeah, it's crazy. It was a very very influential role. Yeah. So like growing up, you know, movies have always had like an influence on me in some way or another, to a fault. You know, like as a kid, it was pretty much to a, it, it was very much to a fault. I would um, just quote them to my family over and over and over again. Yeah, well, what I would do is I would grill my parents uh, after watching a movie. I would grill my parents and ask them all these like different questions. Chicken Run also was a yeah. big one, big one for me, which, you know, like... Inspires that, a rebellious that, streak. Yeah, it inspires a rebellious streak. Did you know they're making another one? It was a very... Huh? They're making another one. Yeah, I know. I'm well aware. I might, you know, watch it by myself. I don't know if it'll know. be as good, though. I will watch it for the nostalgia of it, maybe. But um, because those characters meant something... Uh, really big to me when I was a kid. Yeah, I did the same thing. Ask my, ask my mom, what was your favorite part? Who was your favorite character? Mm-hmm. What did you think about this part? Wasn't that cool? Yeah, I did the exact same thing. What was your favorite part? What was the funniest part? You know, like, we, I did always... Did you ever talk during the movie? 
Um, I don't remember if I talked during the movies, like, at home. I do remember my mom mentioning that when she took me to go see The Emperor's New Groove in theaters, I did constantly talk and ask questions throughout the movie. No, I would always do it. I would always ask mom, what's going on? Why are they, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? Well, that's my parents now, which is the (laughs) irony of it. Oh, oh, wait, we almost forgot the most important movie to define our childhoods. What's that? The SpongeBob movie. Yes, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I saw that on premiere day. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I don't know if it was premiere. (laughs) And I read the junior novel before I saw the movie, so... So you spoiled it for yourself. Yeah, I spoiled the entire thing. You have a problem with just spoiling yourselves on on things. Yeah, I spoiled uh, uh, today's Ahsoka episode You spoiled last week's Ahsoka episode. By watching it the night before you saw it. Yeah, but you saw something about it, and that's why you wanted to watch it early. Well, it's the internet. It's uh, too easy to run into that stuff now. Even when you're not... Even when you're, like not even trying you need to re- you need to like make your youtube algorithm not show you stuff y- impossible because if i look up stuff similar to it they'll always come back then around stop looking up stuff similar to it i will not <laughs> it's or, too it's or too or use one of the 50 million different uh channel accounts you have on there to watch stuff yeah, true i could actually now that i think about it yeah. i have multiple youtube accounts um most of which i don't even use so use them for star wars that Mm -hmm. way you'll avoid the spoilers i think one of the things that i liked about the spongebob movie though one of the reasons why i liked that so much was that it was because you know especially in the original spongebob movie specifically you know it gets into the fact that spongebob uh you know he's a goofy guy you know he's mm-hmm. weird people um I'm a goofy people look at yep <laughs> people look at him funny and obviously he doesn't get the the job of manager of the Krusty Krab too at the beginning right mm-hmm. and uh, you know he spends this whole movie going on this adventure and he makes it he dies comes back to life <laughs> and still makes it right uh-huh. so um you know i always just I always really liked that. Just this goofy kid who has no superpowers until he magically gets those through his electric guitar at the end. But regardless... It's called Rule of Cool for us. Yeah, regardless. He, this goofy kid with no powers is able to, you know, take take down the villain at the end and save the city and, and everything. So, uh, you know, that really... Yeah. That really connected with me. I, I will also throw this out. This is a severely underrated movie, but I loved this movie when I was younger, and I still probably love this movie now. Um, I could watch it again, but it's uh, the 2005 series of Unfortunate Events film. That was a good one. In fact, I, that should have been in my 13 movies. To... Oh, I almost forgot another one. Atlantis. The Disney uh, movie. Yeah. That is a great movie. That kind of inspired my love of action-adventure. Oh, really? Yeah. That movie specifically? Have you ever seen Atlantis? Yeah, no. You watch, We watched it together. I can't talk today. <laughs> we watched it together. You showed it to me. It was, it, But the world building in that movie is fantastic. The opening scene is the perfect opening scene in any Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Going back to a series of unfortunate events for a minute. I mean, obviously, I read all the books. Yes. I have all the books. I read all of Mo- them, too. More on that in a later episode of the show, actually. And, um, but if I was to give some, you know, reason for me loving that story now, it, like, Series of Unfortunate Events is what kind of got me into dark, gothic, mm-hmm. you know, storytelling. Because that's what Series of Unfortunate Events was. It was yeah. gothic. Yes. You know, it was gothic and dark, and the illustrations uh, drawn in the books by Brett Helquist uh, were amazing. Um, and it did, like, 
it's hard for me not to look back on those books now and think to myself, man, the author, the author had a lot more honesty about the world than I thought. Yeah. Because as a kid, I just thought it was like hopelessly dark and he's like oh the world's not like that oh the world's not possibly like adults aren't that stupid and then i grew up and realized oh wait he he was on to (laughs) something it's actually kind of crazy how how real like how close to home those books i remember always reading it as a kid and you get to the parts where he's like you need to put the book down now and walk away from this you don't want to read any further i'm just like Mm -hmm. flip the page <laughs> yeah and he does it constantly in yes. these books you know, he even tries to bore you with the water cycle in uh, the, the book 11 and it's like you can't fool me <laughs> yeah right i know it's crazy what was that one which book was it where it was like it kept repeating the word very 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 it was like uh, very, reptile room yeah very very Can, very very, yep. very very for a whole page yeah uh, which is which reminds me i did mention i did actually just recently mention um in an episode that um, I got a video camera from my parents. I already told the story yep. in a Substack article. If you want to go back and look that up on thepancakeking.substack.com, it's pretty funny. Also kind of pathetic, <laughs> but... Um, nah, it's one, relatable. Yeah, one of the things I got from... Uh, one of the things on the video camera was uh, an audio recorder. And I thought it'd be kind of fun because I started listening to the audiobooks for uh-huh. Series of Unfortunate Events, which most of them were narrated by Tim Curry. Yeah. And uh, he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. He did a great job of them. Um, most of them were narrated by Tim Curry. A few of them were narrated by Daniel Handler, the real author. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones narrated by Daniel were not good. Oh. He is not an audiobook reader. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. So Tim Curry, on the other hand, was phenomenal. Like, just gave everyone a distinct voice. His account Olaf was terrifying. Well, he's, um, he's done voice acting work, so it's not too surprising. Right. So I remember thinking, oh, that's so cool. Like, um, because I would listen to these audiobooks and I would read along. Like, mm-hmm. I would have the actual book there to um, listen to it um, and read along with it. And I thought... Hey, what if I did audiobooks, right? Mm-hmm. So I would go all the way down to the basement, to the basement bathroom, like lock myself in there. Um, and I would um, just set the camera down on the floor and I would read out loud from the book while it's recording and basically make my own Serious Unfortunate Events audiobooks. Nice. And I remember I did the entire books of The Reptile Room and uh, The Austere Academy, number five. Why didn't you do the others? I think I stopped. No, I mean like <laughs> I just one, got distracted. What about one, three, and four? I wanted to do the ones that I liked the most. Uh, if I wanted to start with the ones that I liked the most, Austere Academy was a like one I really loved. Order. No, it's not an order. I know. It's not an order. I know there were some exceptions uh, that I was willing to make when it co- came to order. Um. I do remember the I dropped the camera at one point on the way there and broke a piece off. Uh, I had the camera, um, I had the camera on the floor and I was recording, and someone came banging on the door because they really needed to use the bathroom, so that guy interrupted. I think someone actually, I think uh, one of my brothers ended up swinging the door open and it caught the camera and just took it with it. Oh no! Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't uh, always fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, but that was something I enjoyed doing. Yeah. Um, so like that kind of went along with my series of unfortunate events, hyperfixation, if you will. Yeah. I always liked reading books like to my grandparents when I would go visit them. But... And you like reading books to me now? Well, the thing is, I like reading them to you now because I never thought my grandparents were listening. 
Oh, no. Your grandma just calls you up and says, <laughs> I was listening. And, and, you know, I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. I know, but yeah. So I would only, I would, I would only read like maybe five pages and think, oh, they're not listening. So well, I would stop. You and I both know. Like, you and I both have the issue where, you know, we would feel like the other person isn't listening. Yeah. And all it takes is a few things, like a few little things to make us feel that way. To be fair, it was the beginning years of me being diagnosed, so they wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Sure. So overall, like, obviously, obviously have a huge passion for, for films, um, you know, the art of filmmaking and everything. And we've both, like, grown up with movies that really, like, connected with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, autistic people can... Obviously, autistic people can really get into it. I knew a kid on the autism spectrum who watched Penguins of Madagascar like 20 times, like, uh, or something like that. I even bought him the DVD at one point nice. um, just so that he could watch it whenever he wanted to. But, um, yeah, like, movies is actually, I, I feel, one of the biggest sources of, uh, of an autistic person's hyperfixations. Um, or at least in my experience. Sure. Because they're easily readily available. They're very easy to access. And they're a form of escapism. Yeah, they're very easy to access. They are a form of escapism. They can, uh, they can feel... Uh, they can relate to certain characters. They don't. Those characters don't need to be on the autism spectrum. No. I mean, consider this: like your absolute favorite Star Wars character is Luke Skywalker. Your favorite Star Wars film is Return of the Jedi, which is probably his biggest film. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, he's a character that you really, really loved growing up. Yeah, I didn't want to be Princess Leia. I wanted to be Luke Skywalker because he was cool. He could move things with his mind. Right. Yeah. We've never seen Leia do that. It's kind of funny. Well, we kind of did in Last Jedi. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny too because that was technically the one time in the entire trilogy she does anything. But we're not even gonna go there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's really all I wanted to like cover in this episode. Just kind of have a fun discussion about some of the movies that made us, mm-hmm. if you will. Well, actually, no. Uh, we have to mention another one for you, Die Hard. That, that doesn't count. That's not a kid movie. Well, it's not a kid movie, but it's something that um, uh, you really liked when you grew up. Yes, because you know? Dad introduced it to me. Yeah. I mean, I said that we can like cover movies when like when you got older, you too. You, well, we were just going over kid stuff. You didn't say grown-ups yet. Grown-ups. Before we end here, grown-ups. Well, like, Die Hard. Grown-up films. Yeah, Die Hard. Uh-huh. Stand By Me. Stand By Me? You, showed me, you, you also showed me that one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you probably don't hail them as, like, the greatest movies ever made, but we do really enjoy the Poirot films, like Murder yeah. on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile, um, and then recently Haunting in Venice, and, uh, one of the things I think you and I both really like is his, um, very obvious OCD, yeah. you know, like, he very obviously has OCD, he, everything, yeah, everything has to be done in a particular way, mm-hmm. um, I love his line in the first film, I'm probably gonna butcher it slightly, but he says something along the lines of, you know, I love it, everything I like, I absolutely love, and everything I don't like, I despise entirely, or something like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, I despise uh, vehemently, mm-hmm. um, 
his emotions on certain things are very extreme. That's that's something that I can relate to, mm-hmm. you know, is that he's he's never just like lukewarm middle of the road. You mm-hmm. know, he is like extreme on one side or the other. That is me. Yeah. You know, that is uh, um, that is how I feel on mm-hmm. most things. Yeah. So, anyway, I'll uh, wrap it up there since I don't want it to go on too long. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, If you find uh, these kinds of conversations to be uh, fun, if you're not too bored by it, let us know on thepancakeking.substat.com. You can comment on the posts that these podcast episodes belong to, or you can email me at vansupmedia at gmail.com. And um, I will see you next week for the next episode. Bye-bye.